Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another off-season edition of the Baby Bowl. I am Wes Easley, one of your hosts at Loafing It Over on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. And, of course, with me, I have the daddy of the Baby Bowl himself, Rob Norton at Norton0723. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Rob, I always uh, try to imagine you walking into a room and you saying, because yeah, I know you like it. I know you like it just a little bit. I am the daddy of the baby bowl, Rob Norton. I just always picture you walking into the room. Do, do you ever do that at the house at least? Yeah, sometimes. I think my wife gets a little little annoyed by it at, at some point. She's like, not again, but but no, no. I I I don't think I've ever ever done that. I'll have to try okay. it sometime. <laughs> One of the things I've I've heard is that people don't like when people talk a lot at the beginning of the show, but I gotta say this. I envision the show sometimes. You know, I, I like I like be laying there in bed at night and I'll be sitting there thinking about the show and I'll be thinking about what I could do better as a podcast host, you know, all those things. And and one of the things <laughs> I don't I got in this scenario where like I was getting on to you about something. I don't know what it was I was getting on to you about. Right. And I was just going through the show a little bit. And then I, I, I encouraged you to go get your wife, Rob. Just go get your wife and put her on the microphone so I could talk to her for a minute. And and you did. And I said, now introducing the mama of the baby bowl herself. Yeah. So I, I went through that whole routine and then that whole scenario in my brain. And I don't know that it'll ever come to fruition. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see if we can make it. I don't know if she'll be up for it or not. Uh, she will be up for it. She'll, That's she'll true. She's she is she is more more outgoing than I am. She is the mama of the baby bowl, right? That's true. All right. Well, you make sure you play that for her just to see her her laugh a little this bit for that. Hey, is. tonight we're gonna go over baseball, a little baseball stats, standings, and then at the end of the show, uh, the second half of the show, we're gonna go over the ADP. Of tight ends. We haven't done that one yet, Rob, and that is something I look forward to because we get to talk about Cole Komet. I want to see where you are sitting on Cole Komet and your rankings and everything like that. Cole Komet. If he's not rising up the leaderboard, I don't know who is, Rob. So I'm going to look at that. But uh, MLB standings. Let's look at the wild card in the American League. Sitting on top of everybody right now is the Houston Astros, followed by the Yankees, and then the Cleveland. Your little Cleveland Indians are sitting right there, Rob. How about them apples? I know. It's kind of surprising. Um, they're making a nice little little run, and I think they're they're like one and a half games ahead of uh, the Twins for, for that uh, central spot. So it'll be interesting to see if they can hang on to it, because White Sox well, are pretty close, too. Yeah, our our good friend Kangas is oh he's having a conniption over those Cleveland youngest team ever. They're the youngest team that, they, and they're just they're just tearing it up. I can't wait for three or four years. This is a great team. Yeah, that's that's my Kangas voice, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty good one. No, yeah, it's funny because yeah, he, he I know I know he's a big fan and I'm a big fan too. But he should be he should be used to at this point. Yeah, the, they're the youngest team and they're they're doing great and like they are. I will I will give them this. They're one of the best organizations, mm-hmm. best run organizations in sports, to be honest. But they what happens is usually and what we might see is they might get maybe a one or two year window. But what's going to happen is those young guys are going to have to start getting paid and they're not going to pay them and we're going to send them all off. So, yeah, we're going to have this young, fun team for a little while and they might contend for a year or two. And then next thing you know, they're all gone. I mean, look at look at what happened the team in 2016 where it looked like we could have had a, a a bigger window and went to the world series but yeah it's it's it'll be interesting to see how long we can keep these young guys going and how how good they become how quick well we're going to look at some hot players here over the last 14 15 days uh try and bring home those fantasy baseball championships to your house uh, that's what we're going to try to do here just a minute after we get done with these standings and uh, you know you talk about your cleveland indians from 2016 Hey, man, you could be sitting where my Cubs have been sitting, okay? At least you still recognize some of those faces, all right? So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And that's the, that, that's the thing That's the thing with the, uh, with the Cubs. Uh, I, I kind of feel bad. I mean, I don't feel too bad because they, they won it over that's right. us. But, that's right. But at the same time, they, they won it, and then they did do the same thing that, that the at Cleveland did and pretty much got rid of all the players and now they're in a worse spot there because they're not as they're not as well run um but they are when they do go in it seems like they do go in more heavily um they seem to spend more money than Mm. Cleveland does they just don't seem to be as savvy with with trades and they don't seem to develop players as well 
Yeah, well, we have Fran Mill Reyes now, so all of our problems are solved. Hey, uh, sitting there on top of the Toronto, Toronto Blue Jays are right there in that wild card race. I guess they're two games behind sitting in the top. I don't know how to necessarily describe all that. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of initials right there. I don't even know what the initials stand for. Seattle's in there as well. Baltimore and then Tampa Bay. We talked about those Baltimore Orioles a couple of with the, a month ago or so, Rob, and we couldn't believe that they were still hanging around as much as they were, but they're in there right now. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> all they needed was to to raise the wall and move it back or something. I don't know, but they they are hanging right in there. I mean, I still don't expect them to. I still expect the Twins and White Sox to pass them up. Um, maybe even I mean maybe even the Red Sox, but the I mean the Red Sox have been not Jeez. playing well overall this year. But I would expect Tampa or or uh, Minnesota and and the White Sox to move past Baltimore. But Baltimore has been fun. It, it'll be fun if they, especially if both them and Seattle can make it after years of not being in. That'll be really fun. Yeah, and Seattle's going to get a little shot in the arm with Rodriguez, I think, coming back tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. if all reports are accurate. Minnesota is one game out of the wild card. White Sox, three games out of the wild card. Boston, five games out of the wild card. And are we riding off the Texas Rangers at nine and a half games out, Rob? Yeah, I think at this point. I think okay. the fact that they're nine and a half out and, and two of the teams in, in Minnesota and, and uh, Chicago – they have pretty fairly easy schedules, especially Chicago, and they've they've just been better, and they have and their talent is better. I think it's just too much for Texas to overcome. So you think Baltimore's out, and do you think Tampa Bay's going to hold on? Do you think Seattle's going to hold on over Minnesota and the White Sox? I think Seattle holds on. Maybe it's just me hoping, uh, but I think Tampa holds on. I just think they're one of the best run teams. Um, I do think Baltimore drops out and I would pick the White Sox just the White Sox have such an easy schedule over the rest of the year um it'll be although they they've been getting banged up they've had some bad luck this year so uh maybe the twins maybe the twins but my pick would be the White Sox I I, I'll put Minnesota at the top of that list Uh, I think I'm gonna take Boston out of the picture right now the pitching is just atrocious right there and and you know that was gonna be one of the White Sox strengths is the pitching but that pitching's not there either for them Maybe they can do something. Maybe they got a little magic in the hat, but Lance Lynn does not see need to see that mound very often. All right, I, I, mm-hmm. I might make him like a once every twelve game start, once every seven, eight, nine game starter or something like that. I make him a bullpen guy. I don't know. Uh, over in the NL, Dodgers. Look, this is something I thought about today. Sitting on top of the NL, and this is, reminds me, Dodgers and Mets are sitting on top of their uh, even no, not even record, but they're they're in there. And then you got. You got the Yankees over there sitting there in the top of the other one. You know, it's just the the highest population teams, the the places that have the most money to spend, sitting on top of the baseball world again, yet again. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous to see because those smaller franchises just don't really have a shot. Rob, it's kind of irritating whenever I thought about it today. Yeah, as a as a uh, Cleveland fan, I I definitely definitely feel that all the time. And the thing is, though. Ultimately, I think baseball teams, yes, yes, some have like more money than others, but all of them, all of them can pay players. They just try to try to try to manipulate the fan base as if they say they're broke. I mean, these even Cleveland and the and any other small market team, Oakland, all these teams, they're making billions of dollars. Like they 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 want to want to cry that they're poor and, and this and that. But um, it's just a matter of if they want to, you know, how many hundreds of millions they they actually want to make versus versus uh, winning. So, um, yeah, it's 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 frustrating to see as a fan of a team that often sells off their players quickly. Um, but, yeah, I do agree. Like you see it. You see it now. Uh, the teams that are, have the you know highest population, the teams that spend the most money are the teams that are competing. So. I mean, and I don't think it will change until they, unless they put a cap in, which I don't think they really want to. So, 
Yeah. You sound, when you were describing that, you're sounding like the, you were describing politicians, Rob. St. Louis is also <laughs> in there right there at the top of the list. Atlanta has made the wild card as the season ended right now. Philadelphia has made it. San Diego Padres, even though they have been floundering since the trade deadline, they are in there. I can't believe Philadelphia is finally in the, in the wild card. They're there, though. Knocked Milwaukee out of it. San Francisco, seven and a half games back. Arizona's ten and a half games back. I, you know, I... I want to write off Arizona. I, I want to say no more. No, they're not going to do it. But but the pitching there has kind of come around with Gallon and and uh, uh, who's the other guy there? Who's the other kid? Uh, boy, I I got Patrick Corbin in a, in a video game on my phone, so I just got Corbin in my head, and I know that's <laughs> not right. It's Gallon and uh, who's the other guy? Oh man, yeah, you you got me thrown off too. Oh, I, I got him on a league too. I got him at least one league. Uh, people at home are knowing this and they're yelling at us. But anyway, I, I don't want to ride. They're ten and a half games back, so I need to. I need I need to say that they sayonara to them. But uh, do you think Milwaukee or San Francisco is going to be able to make it up? San Francisco has got such a deep roster. Yeah, um, San Francisco is interesting um, because they they they've always been you know. They've always been a team that seems to overperform, and this year um, they've definitely underperformed. So um, they, I think they, I don't want to write them off. Um, anyone after them, I'm I'm good writing them off pretty much, uh, especially because those top teams, including Milwaukee too, are just so strong. Like Atlanta, you know, they won World Series last year, so they're clearly strong. San Diego just made those huge moves for. Soto and Josh Bell, Josh Hader. I mean, that team is loaded, and they're going to get Tatis back, so that team's going to be fun. Um, Philadelphia probably seems like the weakest of those three teams, and even them, they're doing really well without Harper at this point, so they should be getting Harper back at some point. Um, and Milwaukee is really strong. They have a strong rotation, great lineup. So I don't, I don't really see, honestly, any of those teams getting caught. Okay, uh, he's the the guy who I was thinking of has a backwards name to me. His name should be uh, uh, Kelly Merrill instead of oh, Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly. No, no, yep. It's just backwards. Yep. It's backwards. But him and Gallon both have pitched pretty well this year. All right, mm-hmm. so there's your wild card roundup right now. Let's look at the last 15 days, Rob, and see who might be a hot hitter out there that we think might be on the waiver wire that people would be really looking to get a hold of. Uh, I don't, let's see. Let's, I'm going by hits here is what I'm going. Brendan Rogers, of course, he's going to be coming out of Coors Field. I think he's overowned uh, a little bit. Eloy Jimenez, I would still try to trade for him. I, no, I can't get him though, Rob. I can't get him even though over the last 14 days, and it's probably why I missed my window of opportunity. <laughs> he's hitting 400 with 987 OPS. Yeah, he's uh, like you said. You probably missed the opportunity, unfortunately. Um, but obviously, he's a guy that people have loved. For a couple of years now, he's been been uh, injury plagued so far, um, but he's you know he's on, he's got a great schedule rest rest of the way with the White Sox. So yeah, he I I'm I'm all for trying to get him if you can. Yeah, I'm making an offer. Jeff McNeil, I doubt he's out there. It depends on how shallow your league is, but he's a great guy for average, hitting 407 right now. Three home runs over the last 14 days, too. 1,125 OPS. I know I'm butchering that every time I say it, but I say it anyway. Randall Gritchick, <laughs> he might be out there, too. But he has really woke up over the last... And I don't think it really matters his home away splits as much as we think it is, because I know before he went to Coors Field, I was watching him, and I said, ooh, Randall Gritchick is heating up a little bit. Then he got to Coors Field and he really heated up Robert. Yeah, definitely. He was a guy um, before before the season I liked. Uh, I figured, so the thing with Coors Field is people think that it like it boosts power, but really it's like a big, a big huge BABIP producer. Yep. Like, yep. And so, you know, a lot of guys who, I, I love it when guys who have good power, but they have kind of a questionable average go to the Rockies. And that's kind of how he was. I mean, he was hitting 241 last year. And he had had pretty good power, so I was expecting. I mean, I've expected more of in the power department than he's shown this year. But he is hitting 266 on the year, and then uh, like I think what is it 500 over the last week or so, and mm-hmm. 358 over the last two weeks. And so, yeah, he's definitely a guy um, I'd look at if you need any kind of power production. Now, Jerickson Profar, I think he's going to take a hit. He might be if your trade deadline hasn't ended yet. He might be a guy who you could sell a little bit high. 
uh, they're going to move him down in the batting order, I believe, uh, wh- whenever that shortstop outfielder, who was his name? <laughs> I said his name. I haven't seen him play in oh, a year. Oh, Tatis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tatis. Uh, whenever Tatis comes comes to play, I think it's going to probably be like a Tatis Machado Soto kind of order or something like that. Soto Machado or something. I think Profar is going to end up being like in that second half of the batting order. So he might be a guy that you can switch up there unless you need RBIs. He might be in a position to get a lot of RBIs. But those guys, Rob, after bat, after after those like big top-notch batters who already drive in the RBIs, I'm I'm always worried that they're not that they're that their stats are kind of empty if they're in that five hole or that six hole. I just always feel like their stats are almost empty because nobody nobody's on base whenever they get up there either a home run nowadays or they just cleared the bases with a double or something like that. Yeah, it is tough um, for that. It's it's hard to judge because like technically. You know, most of the the data will show you that like in the heart of the order is where you want to be. But like you said, sometimes you get those situations where you're hitting behind a guy that's driving everybody in, and so you just get less opportunity. So, yeah, it's 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 tough to really like quantify. But but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, Jerickson profile. That's my thoughts. That's my mindset. Anyway, uh, Ren, uh, surely Luis Rengifo. Did I say it right? I didn't even butchered that one, didn't I? Ren- I think. Ren, Renhifo, maybe. Renhifo. Renhifo. He plays with the A's, but, man, he's got, like, so many position eligibilities right now uh, up there on uh, Yahoo League. I think that he might still be available in some leagues. And I, I will say this. There's one guy, Christian Arroyo. I, I don't know how much playing time he's going to end up getting for the Boston Red Sox, but, man, he is tearing it up. He and limited at-bats, so he's not an everyday player. He's only got 41 at-bats over this 15-day period. 50-something bats is uh, where everybody else is kind of sitting. But, man, he's hitting 415, 1,076 OPS, uh, not hitting a lot of home runs or anything, but he's just getting on base, and he's got that high batting average that I love to try and attain this time of year, Rob. Yeah, he's been a really nice really nice waiver wire find if you've uh, been using him so far. Um it would be interesting to see too. Uh, I know I saw recently that um, I'm pretty sure uh, Kike Hernandez is starting to get back back uh-huh. going again. But he's had a, he's had a few different setbacks so far. So I mean, I guess we'll see how he turns out. But I think when he comes back, he could push either him or uh, Jaron Duran to less playing time. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But if Arroyo keeps hitting like this, it's gonna be hard to take him out of the lineup. They, they want Duran. <laughs> Those Red Sox fans want Duran out of there. They're tired yeah. of watching him play center field. <laughs> yep, I think hey, so. Hey, if you need if you need dingers, and who doesn't? Uh, you can always look for Seth Brown. He's out there on the waiver wires, possibly still uh, from the Oakland A's. He, you know, he plays for the A's, so it's tough. But over the last 15 days, he has five home runs. To put that in perspective, Aaron Judge has seven, Nolan Arenado six, Matt Chapman six, and then Seth Brown with five. Uh, another guy there, William Contreras. Playing almost every day now, I believe, because uh, Darnod, Darnood, Darnid. Yeah, I, I'm good with French, but I don't know how to say his name. Well, <laughs> he's he's playing almost every day now for Atlanta. Great catcher, especially in dynasty leagues. You need to pick him up. Uh, he has four home runs over the last two weeks. Yeah, he's been a a great find off the wire this year. Um, I think he has what 15 homers, yeah. two steals, 260 average. I mean. The, the the run and RBI production is a little low, but I mean it's because he hits most of the time early, or at least earlier in the season was hitting bottom of the lineup. But he's hitting you know heart of the order now and playing more every day. So he's definitely a guy, especially in two catcher leagues, if he's even out there anymore to scoop up. And then when you mentioned Seth Brown, Seth Brown has been really awesome actually. And uh, he's hitting you know on the year he went through a really rough stretch for a little while. Mm-hmm. And he was hitting, he's hitting 238 on the year, but he does have 17 homers and eight steals from a first base eligible guy. So he has, he does have sneaky speed and he's been hitting, you know, over 300 for over a month now. So he's an interesting guy that's hitting in the heart of the order. Yeah. It's like a, that, that order is not very good, like you mentioned, but yeah. still. That's like a poor man's Paul Goldschmidt, you know? Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> what it is. It kind of is. Oh, let's see here. I would be doing a disservice. Even though it is a Cardinal, I still must say 
Paul DeYoung. Boy, he is tearing it up right now. And yes, he was in Colorado, but he was tearing it up before Colorado. The batting average has something to behold. You know, it's, it's not the greatest of batting averages. Uh, that batting average for the year, though, was really effective before he got sent down to the minor leagues. Looks like he has figured something out. Maybe he got a little Matt Carpenter phone call. And Matt Carpenter said, hey, dude, this is how you hit dingers. And that is all Paul DeYoung's been doing. He's got four over the last two weeks. But man, they're just coming really hard and really fast right now. Yeah, he's been a guy that's been like that for his, you know, for his career. He had that one really, really nice season, and then ever since then, he's had such an issue with with strikeouts, such an issue with uh, the batting average, and like even like last year, he hit 197 on the year. Even this year on the year, it's 191. But like you said, it he might have figured something out because since he's been back up, four homers, 13 RBIs, eight runs, and 3.33. So we'll 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 see soon enough whether it's a it's a mirage or not. Yeah, I was going to say that William Contreras, too, by the way, if you're in dynasty leagues or something, a great, uh, if you, you probably know this already if you're in a dynasty league, but maybe we got some beginning listeners out there. Look, sell, if, if he's out there available on your waiver wire, pick him up. And if you already got a good catcher, go ahead and sell off your good catcher. Get something else in return that you need because William Contreras, all his stat cast stuff is, you know, baseball's fun. Man, his stuff looks fantastic. I, it just looks fantastic on all that. And uh, when you talk about Paul DeYoung, like he has a over the over the since he's been called up he's got like a 93 uh, uh average exit velocity that's that's fantastic rob he's doing he's figured something out yeah i think so and i hope he i hope he can keep it up I think Max Muncy is back, by the way. Four home runs over the last two weeks. I think he's back. If he's out there on a waiver wire, make sure you pick him up if somebody happened to have dropped him. And I know I know his season-long numbers aren't going to look good, but you go ahead and look at the last two weeks' numbers on his Yahoo stat page, and you're going to be like, well, I see something I like there. Taylor Naquin, too. I think he's somebody you could pick up from the Mets. He's not going to be an every, everyday player, but he's going to play enough to really do well, and they're going to put him in p- positions to succeed. Four home runs over the last two weeks, hitting three. 364 with a 1291 OPS. Yeah, he's been quietly getting it done. Um, even even last year, he hit 270, 19 homers, five steals. This year, he's 263. Over the last month, 300. Last two weeks, 364. I mean, he's 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 on a on a hot tear or streak too, because it looks like, I mean, as far as I can see, back on his game log, he has hits in every game. So he's definitely a guy. Uh, I had to look at if you need a little uh, production here in the short term. And if you got to get steals, go ahead. Andres Jimenez, I know he's already gone, but he has seven steals. What is that dude doing, man? What are they, they running just like crazy. That is a, <laughs> I mean, I, I expected Quan to kind of do that a little bit more. He had some more stolen base, but he just hasn't run this year. And then who's the who's your, who's your who's the straw? Miles Straw. I thought Miles Straw was going to get like 40 stolen bases. Dude mm. was Dude had like eight at the beginning of the year and stuck on 12 forever. You know, I don't know how many he has now. I quit paying attention to his 122 batting average. I'm frustrated <laughs> with Miles Straw. I needed steals. He didn't give them to me. I dropped them. He's he's dead to me now, Rob. <laughs> I can't blame you. He and I think he got um, he started losing some playing time at some point and yeah. moved down the order at some yeah. point. Yeah. And yeah, the, he was he was lead. His his value was really like nice when he was leading off, and now when he's hitting hitting bottom of the order and like you said he's hitting 213 on the year and literally zero home runs and he's not really hasn't stolen a base for over a month that's going to be tough to to hang on to Nicky Lopez is finally running a lot there in Kansas City. I thought he was going to do that last year whenever he got called up. I don't know what's taken so long, but he's had five stolen bases over the last 2 weeks. Nicky Lopez was one of those guys and he has a he he has a high contact rate. I don't know. I couldn't understand why he just didn't get on base enough to steal a lot of bases, but that may have switched around. I don't know if you need stolen bases and if you got the depth to be able to put Nicky Lopez on your team, but I would do it. I've always had my eye on him, but he just, and I've even picked him up a couple of different times and it just never came to fruition, but I think he's got it in him. I think he has it in him, Rob. He, he makes really good contact. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that's not going to hurt you in in batting average. Um, he is going to hurt you in in the homers and RBIs. Oh, yeah. um, hitting at the bottom of a, of a Royals lineup and not having much power. So, if you if you have a lead in that and you're not in a tight race, or or just you're not in a tight race in in homers and RBIs, and you need the steals and average, he's definitely a guy to look to. 
Yeah, Jake McCarthy is the is the guy who runs in Arizona. I didn't expect it to be him. I thought it was going to be more Alec Thomas. Maybe Alec Thomas will, but Jake McCarthy is the guy running right now. He's got four stolen bases over the last two weeks. But something else that's impressive, Rob, he's hitting 300 over the last two weeks as well. I think he bats down in the order a little bit, doesn't have a lot of pop, doesn't have a lot of things. But uh, Jake McCarthy, those the Arizona, man, Arizona is just, I don't know, something is intriguing me about that team. It's probably smoke and mirrors, though. He's interesting because he, like you said, he does, he does run a little bit and he's gotten some, and, he, and he's not a zero in power either. Like on, on the year, he has three homers, um, seven steals, 15 RBIs, 26 runs. And that he does kind of hit usually sixth or seventh more often than not. Um, however, recently, I think it was yesterday, they put him lead off. Um, and then today he was off, but he came in, at least it looks like he came in to pinch hit and had two at bats and got a run in an RBI. So maybe depending on, uh, uh, what we see in the next few days, he could start moving up that order and that would be really nice. And, and they play in Colorado next for the weekend series. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Maybe that's, maybe, that, maybe that is why I've had my eye on Arizona so much because they were going to Colorado. Hey, one last guy, we got to name this guy. I don't know. I'm adopting him. Oh, okay. Can I just adopt him as a, <laughs> as a guy on the fantasy impact today network? Uh, Jorge Mateo, man, he, not only has he stolen three bases, he's also hit three home runs over the last two weeks. He's only batting 238 with a OPS of 813. <laughs> He has 11 strikeouts. He's one of those guys I love looking at all his stat lines because they, I giggle. I giggle because they're just all over the board. Yeah, he's 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 a guy we've talked about a lot. And like we definitely were talking about how he's a much better fantasy player than real life player. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he's going to give you important counting you know category they call it the category juice where he's giving you the homers and the steals he's kind of like honestly he's he's kind of like um a discount version of what people wanted adalberto mondesi to be <laughs> at this point where mondesi was like that guy that was going to hurt you in in batting average but he was going to give you a lot of steals and not be a zero in power so that's pretty much what jorge mateo has been even though you know on on a bad in, on a bad team so yeah, if you need power and speed, he's the easier guy. If you don't need a batting average, then I would definitely uh, look to see if he's on your wire because, like you said, he's only 65% rostered, so he might be out there in some. Yeah, but... <laughs> He's just looking at the stat line. It makes me laugh. All right, let's look at those average ADPs, Rob, here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network on the Baby Bowl Podcast. That is Rob Norton at Norton0723. If you follow him over there, you can see his pinned tweet on how to enter into the Baby Bowl, or you can share that with somebody who maybe hasn't entered into the Baby Bowl yet, and you're like, hey, you're going to miss out on this opportunity not only to get into the Baby Bowl and participate in this one-and-done league, but you can also get into the Discord as well to learn a lot of different fantasy football analysts opinions about things and a great group chat that's going on in there uh so make sure you do that also leave a review leave some stars slap those stars around anything you got to do on whatever listening platform you like to listen to the show on that would be most appreciated I butchered that word too. At FI Today with a little underscore is where you can find the Fantasy Impact Today network over on Twitter. And you can find me at Loafnit on Twitter. And Rob, one of the things you've been doing is putting out all those different um, uh, rankings that you have, all the different, I guess, is that, is that, I guess it's rankings. You like to put them out in tiers. And I think over this past week, you did the tight end position. So that's a good reason to go over here and, and see how that calculates into the NFC ADP over the last month month or so yeah definitely i've been putting them out um each day i finished up um a few days ago i think it was like sunday was the last one i put out my final uh tight end uh 21 through 30 so so yeah i mean I, i'm constantly like updating them and things like that and i haven't really like retweeted to say who moves up and down but um you know i'm constantly kind of moving them up and down as i as i draft and as as news breaks and things like that but but yeah, um, people can check those out. I have them, you know, all, uh, you know, on my on my Twitter timeline, or they can search hashtag Rob's rankings and and find those. Now listen to me, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and put these in my tiers. 
Okay. okay. And my tears will not agree with your tears. I just, I can almost guarantee you that. Don't be a nice <laughs> guy either. I feel free to teach me a thing or two. Let me sit okay. down on Uncle Rob's knee and let him teach me a, <laughs> why I'm so crazy on this guy. Uh, to me, whenever I look at this, uh, the NFC ADP one, two, and three. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. Can I tell? Yeah, Darren Waller and George Kittle are in there. The one person that doesn't belong in there at all to me is George Kittle. Whenever I look at these top five, Rob, I just can't see him being in there. He doesn't impress me. Whenever I watch him, uh, season long stats, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not gaga about him right now. I also am kind of worried about what's going to end up happening with him in that San Francisco offense as it changes a little bit throughout this year. And I think Debo Samuel, man, he just keeps getting those red zone looks and those. I don't want to say targets because he's not targeted he's just getting the rushes it seems like for to me from 20 yards in it's Debo time is what it appears to me in San Francisco am I crazy in thinking that I don't think George Kittle belongs in that top five tier and to me instead Dalton Schultz needs to be put in there in a contract year in Dallas yeah I mean it's it, I'm torn on it because here's here's the thing for me is that I think George Kittle is maybe to be honest, I think he is maybe the most talented all-around tight end in the league. Okay. I mean, if you're including blocking and just everything a tight end needs to do, he's like, if you look at his like yards per route run, if you look at his like a lot of his underlying metrics, like yeah, yards per route run, um, his uh, target share, his targets per route run, his um, gosh, what was the other one? That, oh, his yak ability in terms of you know yards after catch, he's like elite, maybe even number one sure, in most of those sure. metrics. So, but at the same time, what you brought up with with the uh, offense, I'm concerned about it too because I I love Trey Lance for fantasy, um, but I don't think he's going to throw the ball as much as they already were a run heavy team to begin with, and now if you have your quarterback, you're running even more. Um, every time he runs, that's not a pass being thrown. So, um, I love Lance for fantasy because he runs. So. If he runs, if he runs a lot, like I expect him to, that's less passes to go around. And if all the guys are healthy, which I mean, obviously injuries happen all the time, but I mean, Kittle's been one that's banged up all the time because of how he plays too. But yeah, so I have, I do have concerns about the offense, how much they're going to throw, how effective they are going to be in throwing, um, who's going to get it with, I mean, Ayuk looks like he's having a great camp. Debo, obviously we've seen what Debo does. So I understand the concerns. I do have him fifth still. I have him in the same tier as, as Waller and I like, and I like Schultz. So I don't, I don't have a problem with people taking Schultz over um, him because the case for Schultz, like you said, is pretty clear contract year passing, you know, a good, a great offense um, has gotten a lot of, a lot of targets two years in a row. And now Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper's gone. So everything's pointing up for Schultz. And whereas Kittle, like the passing offense is kind of pointing down. So I can definitely see why people are doing it. Um, I still would take Kittle. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, I would not be shocked at all if we look up and Schultz has more at the end of the year. Okay. Out of those top four there, Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, and Waller, uh, everybody's talking about Kelsey and Andrews just being, you know, one and two, one and two, one and two. I think that there's more concerns, and I understand all the concerns in Kansas City. I think there's more concerns for Mark Andrews than Travis Kelsey. To me, out of these guys, and and Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, the number one tight end at the end of the year from where I'm sitting right now, where I'm sitting right now, and you tell me where I'm wrong, I, I can't see how it's not going to be Travis Kelsey. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are still going to be able to move the ball down the field. I think Travis Kelsey is going to be that focal point in the red zone, just like he has been in years past. I think he still catches those you know, 10 or 12 touchdowns. I, I, I don't know that Mark Andrews is going to do that, though. I think the focal point in everything I've heard and doesn't necessarily mean it's true in Baltimore is that they're going to that run heavy uh, attack again. Mark Andrews may be able to benefit from that in the red zone. I just, I, you know how I am with Lamar Jackson. I just don't see that, that possibility being there all that much. I don't like his accuracy. I know he can hit Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is a big guy and all that, but I, I just can't see him getting the ball as many times as Travis Kelsey. And then, so I think, I think Travis Kelsey ends up sitting on top of, PPR rankings at the end of the year for tight end. I agree. Um, I have, so I have Kelsey in a tier of his own. Um, I, and I agree. I think Kelsey could be, I, I mean, obviously losing Tyreek, people are theorizing that uh, losing Tyreek could hurt Kelsey because they could bracket 
or double Kelsey and make the other guys beat him. But I think the other weapons are, are good enough. Like I think Sky Moore seems like he's going to be good enough. Juju's going to be good enough. Uh, MVS, I mean, he's a deep threat. He's not like anything special, but obviously he can take the top off a, of a defense. He can get loose a couple times. Um, and uh, McCall Hardman, you know, is a fast guy that gets the ball in his hand. So I think that the weapons are dangerous enough as a whole that you can't do that. Sure. Um, and so I, I, but I, but the thing is in losing Tyreek, I think, I don't think anyone that's stepping in is going to see as much targets as Tyreek. So I think Kelsey's going to absorb some of that as well. So I do have Kelsey really high. I've drafted him a lot this year. Um, I like taking him anywhere from like, I'm, I'm okay taking him basically like anywhere from like pick like eight overall on, um, so anything basically late first, early second is where I've been taking them. I do agree, like with Mark Andrews, that we, what you're talking about. My worry with Mark Andrews is the same kind of thing. I think Baltimore has been most effective when they've been run heavy. And Lamar, so <laughs> Lamar, Lamar and Andrews are like the the rich man's version of Lance and Kittle to me. Um, okay. They're like. They're very similar. The the reason I love Lamar and the reason I love Lance is because I think both can rush for 800 to 1,000 yards. And if they're doing that, that's less they're throwing. So, like, people, I love, I lo- you know, a lot of people on Twitter and online will say, well, oh, Mark Andrews did this with, with Huntley last year. And it's like, well, Huntley didn't run as much as Lamar. Not even close. Um, and, like, I know, I know how you've been on, on Lamar. I think I, I love Lamar. I think he's actually better than people give him credit for. But even even if he is better than people give him credit for, even if he's a better passer, by even if he's a better passer by far than than Huntley, the thing is he runs a lot more than Huntley. And anytime you he's running, that's not a pass being thrown. So, like that's the thing that like with these running quarterbacks, it's hard for me to really get too huge especially if the prices are are inflated like andrews is going in the second round pretty much in every draft like i can't take andrews in the second round if i feel like lamar is going to rush for a thousand yards and that's you know, you know so you know, it's like it's hard for me to do that mark andrews i'm going to tell you the targets over his last i'm not going to include 2018 look like a rookie season there 2019 20 and 21 right targets 98 88 last year 153 and what happened last year? Uh, Lamar didn't play. Not as often. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. he missed a lot of time last year, so his targets went up. Mark Andrews' targets went up. Receptions: 64, 58, 107. But once again, the right. common denominator is that Lamar Jackson didn't didn't play. I don't know if that's common denominator or the outlier year. I don't know which one. But and, but you know you think about that, and his touchdowns have been 10, 7, and nine. And what did we learn from? Coop earlier this year that you got to get those receptions. Uh, did he say receptions a hundred or targets a hundred? What or Tar- targets like ninety or hundred, and yeah. then so, touchdowns ten plus. Yeah, so he's he's only hit the ten one time last year. He got to nine, and that's with one hundred and fifty three targets. That ten touchdowns though was in two thousand nineteen. So maybe they'll be looking for him around the end zone. And, and and here's the Travis Kelsey thing, and I've heard that a lot of times too, is that, oh, Tyreek's not there, so he's going to get doubled more. It's Travis Kelsey. They yeah. doubled Travis Kelsey, you know? They, they they were saying, go ahead and throw it to McCole Hardman. He can't catch it. You know, go ahead and throw it to Pringle. He can't catch it. You know? they, didn't, they didn't guard those guys. They, they, doubled, they doubled Tyreek and they doubled Kelsey. That's what they did, like, on every play. And I think one of the reasons why they wanted – I won't say wanted to get rid of Tyreek, but you know they let Tyreek go ahead and go, was because it really limited that offense. When when they when they snapped the ball, that ball was going to one or two places, Tyreek or Kelsey. And I think what they wanted to do was they wanted to spread that ball out a little bit more, but Kelsey's still going to be that that denominator that's going to be there that I think will benefit from the ball. From from Mahomes having more options as he continues to mature as a quarterback, and I think that some of that some of those options were narrowed down a little bit to a Kelsey to a Hill because they are talented, and because Mahomes really, I mean he's he's still kind of a young was kind of a young quarterback. I think we could say that he's a veteran at this point. Yeah, no, no I definitely agree. Um, and that's the thing is that, like you mentioned, he, he Travis Kelsey. It's not. It, they're acting. People are acting as if he's never been doubled or bracketed before in his life. I mean, this guy has been 
the best fantasy tight end and the, one of the biggest weapons at, at tight end for years. Um, and I was just, I was just looking back to some times that, cause Tyreek didn't really miss much time last year, but he missed a few games in 2020. And then he missed a, a stretch of five games, I think in 2019 from like week two to six or two to five. So I was looking at Kelsey's uh, stretch there. Seven for 107 and touchdown. Seven for 89. Seven for 85. Four for 70. Four for 58. Like, and he got nine, eight, eight, ten, six, or something targets in those games. I mean, yeah, he's to me, he's going to be just fine. I mean, I think he's going to be peppered with targets. I think he's going to see. I think he's going to have another year, 100 plus catches, 12, 1300 yards, like he does, t- flirting with double digit touchdowns. Um, whereas Andrews, to me, like we were talking about, he's more likely. I don't think he's going to go back to like 50, 60 catches, but I, I see him more in the 70s, maybe maybe 80s range, and like right around a thousand yards. And depending on how the offense is, I mean, you could luck into you could he could be anywhere from like six to 12 touchdowns in that range, depending on you know what they do. But yeah, I I, I see much more likely that Kelsey sustains or goes up in targets and and volume than Andrews does. So um, to me. I have Kelsey in his own tier and I haven't taken much really at all of Andrews because he's always going in the second round and I either take Kelsey late first, early second, or I kind of wait Kyle Pitts third and fourth or, or wait for two guys late. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah. And so once it, once it gets past Schultz, right. And, and this for everybody out there and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm, I would I would say, and I got Schultz in my five. I'm not going to put Kittle there uh, mm-hmm. right now. So I, I would include Kittle in my next little part that I'm going to say here, from a Kittle to a Hawkinson to a Goddard. This whole this whole thing we talk about a running back dead zone. Is is this whole area a running back dead zone for tight ends from you know pick six or uh, all the way down until the late round? I mean, I would just rather skip all them and just let everybody else take them, and then just pick the tight end at the end. Than to pick one of these Hawkinsons or Goddards or Ertzes or Knoxes, it probably it probably kind of is because I think you bring up a good point and 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 it's funny because every year we kind of get sucked into these same guys. It seems like um, and we've been talking about Hawkinson, Hawkinson, Goddard um, for a couple of years now. Um, Ertz has you know kind of been in there and and he's had a little rejuvenation with Arizona. Um, I, and I like I like all these guys enough. Like I, I, I to me, I have Ertz, Hawkinson, Goddard in their own kind of tier, but I kind of have more more Ertz than any of them because since I do have them in the same tier, Hawkinson goes around pick eighty, Goddard about ninety three, and Ertz a hundred or or after, mm-hmm. generally. So if I have them all in the same tier, usually Ertz is the one I kind of get. And and what I've been doing is basically like. In best ball, if I've taken Kyler, I kind of prioritize right. Ertz, Ertz a little bit just for the stack and and the fact that he's um, he's like the one I kind of prefer the most of the group, and he's the one that's going the latest. And then if I do get Hurts, I'll look at Goddard as well because the thing is I like Goddard. The thing with Goddard is I I like Goddard. He's kind of in that um, he's <laughs> he's kind of in that Andrews and and Kittle mode where he's a really good player. You look at his numbers, his efficiency numbers are, are really, really good. But he's on a team with a running quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who's the same. Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, and um, Lamar Jackson are super similar quarterbacks. Uh, they all run. They could all honestly run for 700-plus yards this year, 800-plus yards. And the thing with uh, with Goddard, too, he's also has A.J. Brown and um, – Devontae yeah. Smith, mm-hmm. yeah, to keep compete with passes, and I think Goddard's good enough that he'll he'll have games where he's good. But I mean, it's it's going to be uncomfortable if if Hertz ends up running for 800 plus yards and throwing for only 3,200. I mean, that's when you if you're if you have a yeah. tight end that's in that offense that's good, you'd rather have a guy throwing for 4,200 than than uh, passing for 3,200 and running for a thousand. Well, so. and I think I think Philadelphia is going to be one of those run first teams. That was where they had the most success last season. Whenever they tried to be a pass first team at the beginning of the year, they floundered terribly. I mean, it was it was it was it was really going bad. And then they went to that run heavy offense, 
And all of us were like, okay, where'd that come from? Because it, all of a sudden the, the, they just had a ground and pound game and that's when they started winning games. And I don't know why they would switch that up at any point right now going into the season when they lost so much momentum uh, in the playoffs, even whenever they had to go pass heavy against Tampa Bay, that was one of those things that, that just really came back to haunt them. So I wouldn't see why why they would be a pass-heavy team. I will say this. He had 76 targets last year. I could see that going – well, actually, I see that sitting right there about where it is. And four touchdowns for Dallas Goddard. Uh, and, and for me, whenever I look at this tier, I agree completely with you. Ertz is that guy who's uh, down there at the end of all that going pick 100 that I would rather have. But, Rob, uh, we got we got to talk about a guy here in this whole thing uh, who's going at 126, and that's Cole Komet. Would you rather have Cole Komet than all these guys up above them uh, just to wait around at 126? I know if we're talking about best ball and we like to stack things, we'll be looking to add one of those tight ends for a cheap stack. But to me, I I would just rather wait around for a Cole Komet before all that because he's the end of this, I don't want to say tier, but – I just would rather have him than those guys. And that may be a little Chicago guy talking to me right now more than anything else. No. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like Cole Komet's value for sure. Um, to me between them, um, it's kind of like when, I mean, I do have obviously the other guys ranked ahead just based on, but, but when we're talking about versus ADP, I do think to me, it's either Ertz at a hundred or Komet at one twenty six, one twenty seven that are like, those two to me are the best values of this group. Um, they're actually the two probably I have the most drafted. And um, the nice part with Komet is that he's, you know, he's improved each year and now he's on, you know, a team with hopefully an improving Justin Fields. And after Darnell Mooney, there's a lot, there's, you know, yeah. he should be the second target. So yeah, he's a, he's number two option. And, and I'm, everything I'm hearing out of the Chicago camp is that, uh, Fields has got a great connection with Cole Komet, and it really seems like to me that he's the most secure possessional kind of receiver. I think I think mm-hmm. Fields' eyes are going to end up going to Cole Komet a lot, not only on first and second down if it's a passing play, but also third down a lot. It's funny because it, 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 we keep talking about you know you know Goddard Goddard and Kittle are like the discount Andrews. To me, Komet is kind of like the discount Ertz. Like, they're they're both don't wow you with like athleticism. They're both you know good route runners. They're both like safety blankets. They're both in offenses with running QBs, um, but they're not like super run QBs. Where like you know Lamar, Lance, and Hertz are known as you know 700, 800 plus yard running QBs. Um, Kyler and Kyler and Fields to me are kind of in a similar thing where, where they're both, they both can run. They're both very good at running. They're probably four or five, 600 yard rushing QBs, but they both have, or Kyler already is to me and a very good passer. And I think Fields has the ability to be a very good passer in the league. And they're both right now, the second option on those teams. So Komet kind of is like the discount Ertz on a, lesser offense fields may be the best passer out of all those guys it's possible uh, by it. yeah. and, and i mean I, I i'm really not trying to be a biased chicago fan whenever i do that but i've just seen i've seen him be able to throw the ball and i i've i've gone wow he he hit that window he put it where he wanted it and only the receiver could get that i mean i've seen some plays where i've gone wow and i've seen some plays from kyler too but uh kyler kyler's kind of sporadic lamar you know how and 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 I've never been a big believer in Jalen Hurts' throwing ability. I still don't know how he did it at Oklahoma. Hey, guess how many touchdowns Cole Komet had last season? I know you already know this answer. Zero, right? Yeah, it was zero. But that's yeah. because Jimmy Graham was there. Jimmy Graham's no longer there. All right? Jimmy Graham was always that. I knew it. They were always trying to get him touchdowns for whatever reason. They are trying to get Jimmy Graham touchdowns out of respect <laughs> to the veteran, I guess. And that was driving me crazy last season, just a little bit. Guess how many targets Cole Komet had last season? Hmm. A hundred? Right around a hundred, maybe? 93 targets. 93. 
in that offense. You know, so so the plays have been drawn up for him, obviously, and it's, it's a new coaching regime there and everything. So hopefully it gets a little bit better. I don't know. I've heard a lot of bad reports coming out of that Chicago camp, but they, they'll have to throw the ball a lot. So maybe Cole Komet will be the beneficiary of that. I, I'm I'm just you can just give me a quick yes or no on these Dawson Knox. We're down on Dawson Knox. We're down on Pat Fairmuth, right? Yes, I am down on both. Um, I have 111 and 124 in leagues between Zach Ertz and Cole Komet. Yeah, I would have, I'd I'd honestly rather have Komet straight up. I mean, my, my original rankings, when I put out, I had Knox ahead. I think I had, I had Komet ahead of Frymouth already, but I've moved Knox down as well. Um, I would rather have, I'd rather have Komet straight up. He's probably moved up to my number 10, uh, tight end so i would rather have him over over both of them it's just Fryermuth to me like he's gonna be you know third fourth fifth maybe even depending um in targets and i think um ben ben for at least like last year ben wasn't very good but he threw a ton of passes he threw like mm-hmm. 600 plus passes i don't see trubisky and pickett throwing as many passes one because i don't think they're going to be throwing as short of passes as Ben. I mean, Ben's dot was like the lowest in the league. Um, two, I don't think they're going to get it out quite as quick as he did because he just, as soon as he snapped, he didn't want to take a hit. So he just threw it real short to Najee, Deontay, Fryermuth. Um, three, I think they're going to run more in terms of like if the play breaks down, they're going to run way more than Ben did. So I see just the overall pass volume coming down for that offense a good amount. That's why I'm a little bit, I mean, I had talked about about Najee when I, um, but with Fryermuth, same thing. I think, uh, you know, that offense as a whole, I'm just worried about. And, and so as a, as a secondary type piece on, on an offense, that's not very good. And an offense that is going to throw less, I'm, I'm pretty worried about it. Yeah. And Mitch, Mitch Mitchell is not a running quarterback. He's a panicky quarterback. All right. <laughs> he, he's one of those guys who goes, ah! I hope that didn't come out too loud right there. The, yeah. uh, do you know how many Dawson Knox, do you know how many targets Dawson Knox had last season? Mm, I'm going to guess it's kind of low. I know you had a lot of touchdowns that, or it seemed like it, but I didn't I'm gonna ask guess about like, touchdowns, Rob. <laughs> I'm going to guess 75. Wow. You're, you're pretty good at this game. You're 71 was the correct 71. answer. I'll give you a win for that one. Yards was 587. Seems, seems, I mean, that's, that's about right for a tight end, I suppose. Only 49 catches out of those 71 targets, which seems a little bit low, but you're right. Nine touchdowns for him. I could see those touchdowns coming down though this year when they've added cook back there. Uh, Stephon Diggs is going to still get his, but man, they, they just have, lo- uh, you know, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. There's so many names that are going around there. And one of the names I don't hear coming out of Buffalo camp is Dawson Knox. You talked about Pat Fryermuth having some targets. He had 79 targets last season, and I just can't see him throwing the ball nearly that much. He had seven touchdowns as well. I think that that Steeler offense is going to be stuck in the mud is what I think, Rob. So I agree with you. Uh, so we're, we're looking, so we'll put Cole Komet above him. And now there's, are you drafting Irv Smith? Yes or no? Um, yes. Uh, I was I was bigger on him before he got hurt because uh, okay. he had the finger. I think he had the finger surgery, but it sounds like it's like very minor. Um, so, but I also don't like drafting guys that are currently hurt. But so he's he's kind of like testing me on that. But um, but yeah, I like the. Yeah, I like their offense, and I actually have him above Fryermuth and above Knox. So wow. I guess I do. I do have him. Um, you know, I I guess I am like more in than out. I would say. Well, he does have that Alabama pedigree, so I do not blame you one bit. <laughs> um, out of this next group here, this this uh, fourteen through twenty, well, Jaseki, Big Al, Hunter Henry, Noah Font, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett. And David Njoku, now one of the key things about Gerald Everett is he has changed offenses. He's now a charger, high-powered, high-octane offense. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to affect Gerald Everett, but I do know who Gerald Everett is. I do know he's had potential, but I, I just <laughs> I, I, I don't know if we've already gotten all the juice we can out of Gerald Everett. Yeah, Gerald Everett is a tough one for me because I've always liked him, but at the same time, I I. I think it was Drew Delaware and I were, were kind of debating back and forth on, on Everett. 
and um, he's interesting because he's in a great offense. But I think his path to relevance is trying is he's got to be that you know big time touchdown guy because they have Keenan Allen who's a target monster. They have Austin Eckler who's a target monster for for a running back, and they have Mike Williams. So to me, I think Everett is fourth at best on that team in t- in targets. Um, so the only for me the only way he's going to jump up anything more than like a a uh, weekly streamer hoping for a touchdown is that if he's, you know, getting those touchdowns like every game. So he's one I, I, I'm torn. On. I like, I like the situation, but Noah Fant is one I'm really down on from this group. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was, he was, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, coming back with the argument that he played with Drew Locke last year. And so if he plays with Locke and Gino, it's basically the same thing. But the thing was last year he was competing for targets with, with uh with Sutton and and Judy um and I think that I think that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are better receivers just objectively um so I think he's going to be a lesser target share and I also think that Seattle under Pete Carroll is always wanting to be a run heavy team uh they were slow they've always been slow paced and run heavy so um, I just kind of see his his stock going down, so he's he's the one I kind of like the least out of this group. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes left, so we're going to talk about a couple of our favorite picks, I believe, down here at the bottom of the draft. Who I think we would probably I, I know I like better than that whole little list that I just gave to you right there. I'd probably even take him over to Irv Smith right now at this point. Just I, 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 I too many question marks about Irv Smith, and I guess there's question marks about these guys too. But I would personally rather have, and these are my two sleepers anyway, and you can blast me on them and tell me any of your sleepers that you have left right here at the end of the show, Evan Ingram and Austin Hooper. All right. there We've seen the offense. We've gone through Tennessee's offense uh, here, Pierre and I did, over there on the DFS Dreamer podcast. Tennessee doesn't have a lot. They don't have a lot, but the one thing they do have is Austin Hooper. And I know and I see those Tennessee Titans each and every week here on my local television station. And one of the things they love to do is they love to throw it to the tight end in the end zone. So I can see Austin Hooper not only getting some targets, getting those kind of things that that it seems like the coaching staff loves to give him, but also in the end zone, he could give me those, I don't want to say 10 touchdowns, because he ain't going to get that high up there, because they do still have Derrick Henry, but I think he can get to that 6-7 range and a couple in that. I'd rather have him than all these other guys. And, of course, Evan Ingram, the guy who we all want to mm-hmm. succeed this year, still sitting at the bottom of drafts, 21. I think that's way too low for Evan Ingram, but well, the majority is probably right. You know, it's it's funny. Yeah, these two are my two of my favorite down here. And I actually kind of like Robert Tanyan a little bit just to throw him in there just because he's the same kind of situation as 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 these other guys where there's an ambiguous wide receiver room. And obviously Tanyan's playing with the best quarterback of the group. Um, I think he's the least I think he's the least talented of the three, but he's playing with the best quarterback and they don't have much in the way of wide receiver. So I, I will throw him in just as a mention. But I, I do like Ingram Ingram a ton. I I mean I've always loved Ingram. He put up people forget that he for three straight years he had he was tight end four, tight end seven, tight end seven in points per game. So he's not like he's just this guy I mean people are burned by him the past year or two. He's been banged up. He's been playing in an offense that didn't feature him very well and he's had some drops issues and I don't. I don't care about the drops. Like if you if you don't get benched for the drops, it does not matter. Everyone everyone was worried about that last year with heading into the year for Deontay Johnson. All I kept hearing was Deontay drops too much. He's terrible. He drops too much. Blah blah blah. I mean, you you get thrown the ball. The only way you can drop it is if you're getting thrown the ball. So I want my guys getting thrown the ball. I don't. I don't care. So I actually have Evan Ingram as a top twelve tight end. Um, so I'm pretty pretty high on him. He's probably like. Him, Kelsey, and Pitts are like my most drafted this year. Um, so Evan Ingram, the thing I love about him is, like I said, he's he has the pedigree. He has the elite athleticism. He got paid by this team. The team also does not have any kind of elite alpha um, wide receiver. They they are going to probably be a fairly bad team. They, they're going to be behind and throwing a lot. And... Ingram, I mean, I, he could, he has a, he, I don't think he's like, I wouldn't put him as the most likely to lead the team in targets, hmm. 
But if we looked up at the end of the year and they said, and Evan Ingram had 100, 110 targets and Christian Kirk had 105 or 100 targets, I mean, would it be that shocking? So he has a he has an actual realistic path to leading this team in targets. And so for me, Ingram is like my favorite late round sleeper. Just because the Jacksonville Jaguars paid Evan Ingram doesn't mean a thing. They paid everybody this offseason, Rob. So you cannot put much stock into them paying Evan Ingram. Hey, buddy, good job. I'm glad we got through the entire – I'm surprised. We got through all the tight ends, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that we did a good job. I, I, I hear what you're saying about Tunyon. I just can't do it. He's a Packer fan, and I always like to say, <laughs> go Bears, go Bears. It's hey, understandable. <laughs> good job. If anybody still hasn't joined the Baby Bowl, we encourage you to do so. Check out Rob Norton's pinned tweet. I think it's over there on my pinned tweet, too, at FI Today with little underscore uh you can check that one out and and make sure you get that in and make sure you set the line up and that way you don't get the email notifications and all that stuff rob you've done a great job of putting all that together we really appreciate it. at norton 0723 over there on twitter make sure you get signed up for all that and join that discord if you haven't done that yet you can follow me over on twitter at loafing it on twitter as well hey don't forget to like the show don't forget to leave a comment don't forget to leave a review on whatever listening platform you like to listen to it on make sure you subscribe and share it with your friends as we get set kickoff is just a few days away from the preseasons we can't wait we're just so excited about that but more importantly than all those actions fit fam we always want to encourage you to make a positive impact in somebody's life today